This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Giorgia Maloney, the leader of the Nationalist Brothers of Italy party, which has its roots in neo-fascism, declared victory in Italy's general election. Ms. Maloney, who would be the country's first female prime minister, is set to lead a right-wing coalition that includes Matteo Salvini's Northern League and Silvio Berlusconi's Forza Italia. The election was called following the collapse in late July of Mario Draghi's broad-based administration. The pound fell back against the dollar after the Bank of England said it would, quote, not hesitate to change interest rates, but stopped short of raising them. Sterling is still up from under $1.04, which it reached earlier on Monday. The slump followed Britain's largest package of tax cuts in 50 years, announced by Kwasi Kwarteng, the new chancellor, on Friday. Meanwhile, the Treasury said it would set out further plans to deal with debt in November. Demonstrations against Vladimir Putin's military mobilization continued in the Russian Republic of Dagestan, which has already provided a disproportionately high number of soldiers to the war in Ukraine. A man was detained for shooting and seriously wounding a recruitment officer at a draft office in Irkutsk, a region of southeastern Siberia, the latest in a series of similar attacks. More than 2,000 people have been arrested for participating in protests against the measures, according to OVD Info, a human rights group. As Iran's protests continue to spread across the country, the foreign ministry accused America and some European countries of attempting to violate its sovereignty by supporting them. At least 41 people have died during 10 days of demonstrations sparked by the death in police custody of Masa Amini, a young woman detained apparently for wearing a loose hijab. Residents in Tampa, Florida and the surrounding county were ordered to evacuate in advance of Hurricane Ian's expected landfall later this week. With winds of around 85 miles per hour, or 137 kilometers per hour, Ian is projected to hit western Cuba early on Tuesday before strengthening and reaching Tampa on Thursday morning. The city has not been directly hit by a hurricane since 1921. Edward Snowden, a whistleblower long wanted by American authorities on espionage charges, was granted Russian citizenship. Mr. Snowden has been living in exile in Russia since 2013, the year that he leaked secret files revealing the vast surveillance operations of America's National Security Agency, where he once worked as a contractor. Viktor Orban, Hungary's prime minister, said sanctions against Russia had, quote, backfired and that Europeans had become poorer as a result of rising energy prices. Hungary, he said in a speech to Parliament, was, quote, waiting for an answer from Brussels on how long we will keep doing this. Long dovish towards Russia, Mr. Orban urged a ceasefire to end the war. Fact of the day, 970 million, the number of people around the world affected by 12 mental health conditions. The total could well be an underestimate. And correction. In Thursday's edition of Espresso, we described how in 1917 the Bolsheviks toppled the Russian monarchy. In fact, the Bolsheviks toppled the provisional government, which had replaced the monarchy after an earlier revolution the same year. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Japan's Controversial State Funeral 
Last week, world leaders gathered in London to mourn the death of Queen Elizabeth II. On Tuesday, many of them will flock to the other side of the world to attend the state funeral in Tokyo of Abe Shinzo, a former Japanese prime minister who was assassinated in July. Japan's current prime minister, Kishida Fumio, hopes the event will boost the country's presence on the global stage. But the plan has been hugely unpopular among Japanese thanks to Abe's controversial legacy which includes downplaying the nation's wartime atrocities and the cost, estimated at about 1.66 billion yen, or $11.8 million. A poll in mid-September by Nikkei, a media giant, found that only 33% of the public favored holding the funeral. It also revealed that the approval rating for Mr. Kashida's government had plunged from 57% in August to 43%. Protests are expected across the country. Rumors abound that such opposition could push the government into holding a snap election this autumn. Conversely, once the funeral is over and the Japanese have witnessed global dignitaries paying tribute to Abe, that opposition might fade. Russia's Nuclear Blackmail Western officials have grown increasingly concerned about the risk that Russia, facing severe setbacks on the battlefield, might resort to the use of nuclear weapons in Ukraine. Russia will annex large parts of occupied Ukraine through sham referendums, perhaps as early as Tuesday. President Vladimir Putin has argued that Ukrainian attacks on these territories would thus constitute attacks on Russian soil and has hinted at nuclear retaliation to protect the country's, quote, territorial integrity. How seriously should these threats be taken? Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, has said he doesn't think Mr. Putin is bluffing. Jake Sullivan, America's national security advisor, has said that his government has warned Russia that nuclear use would have, quote, catastrophic consequences. American officials say that these could include conventional military strikes against Russia. But if Russia were to respond in kind, the result would be a shooting war between NATO and Russia the very thing the two sides have sought to avoid ever since Mr. Putin's ill-fated invasion. The Reinvention of BlackBerry BlackBerry, the Canadian manufacturer of a once-iconic messaging accessory used by business people with dexterous thumbs, has suffered more than a decade of ignominious decline. Its reluctance to replace the device's fiddly buttons with touchscreens and its failure to embrace apps saw BlackBerry cede the smartphone market to Apple and Android. The firm stopped making its handsets in 2020 and finally ceased support for them earlier this year. Since then, it has been trying to reinvent itself as a maker of software for business. In its quarterly results due on Tuesday, analysts are hoping for some evidence that the company's turnaround has started to succeed. BlackBerry's cybersecurity business, including antivirus software and secure mobile apps, has enjoyed steady but not overwhelming growth. More promising is its booming Internet of Things business, which has embedded BlackBerry software in 215 million vehicles and various other bits of machinery. But the real test will be whether the new BlackBerry can eventually turn a profit. On Tuesday, analysts expect it to announce another loss-making quarter. Britain's economy takes a pounding. Investors are still reeling from Kwasi Kwarteng's fiscal statement last Friday when the new British finance minister breezily announced the biggest tax cuts in half a century, along with measures that will increase borrowing by 3% of GDP this year. 
After weekend reports of yet more fiscal largesse to come, the pound dropped to a record low against the dollar in the early hours of Monday before recovering some ground. On Tuesday, the government will feel the consequences of its actions further when it tries to borrow 1.2 billion pounds, or $1.3 billion, in inflation-linked gilts maturing in 2031. At 9 a.m. on September 23rd, the market interest rate for unlinked gilts was 3.46%, but by close of play on Monday, it had climbed to 4.1%. On Sunday, Mr. Quarteng declined to comment on short-term market moves, claiming that he was focusing on growth. But unless something changes to bolster investors' trust, the clamor to change course will be hard to ignore. Silent Spring and Modern Environmentalism Sixty years ago on Tuesday, Rachel Carson's book Silent Spring was published. Combining rigorous scientific analysis with lyrical prose, Carson, an aquatic biologist at America's Department of Fisheries, detailed the extensive damage DDT and other such insecticides wreaked on ecosystems. The chemical industry tried to sue, also attacking Carson's scientific credentials, she did not have a Ph.D., and personal life. Undeterred, President John F. Kennedy ordered his scientific advisory committee to investigate. DDT was banned in America in 1972. Influential figures from Al Gore, a former American vice president, to Rex Wheeler, a co-founder of Greenpeace International, credit Carson, who died in 1964, with inspiring their environmental campaigning. Sir David Attenborough, a British naturalist, describes Silent Spring as the book which, after On the Origin of Species, has most profoundly shaped the scientific world. Carson's legacy further endures in environmental literature, influencing writers such as Robert McFarlane. In Margaret Atwood's novel The Year of the Flood, the feast day of St. Rachel Carson is celebrated. Though not a saint, Carson was certainly a herald. Daily Quiz Arboristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 hours BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Tuesday. What was the name of the American aid plan to Europe after the Second World War? Finally, here's the quote of the day from William Sapphire, who died on this day in 2009. Never assume the obvious is true. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.